I am unashamed. What about you? So, uh, Jace, I got an email uh, today from one of our listeners. Here we go. Uh, Grace, uh, who is from I like L- that name. London, Ontario, Canada. Oh, Canada. Yeah, we got a lot of Canadian fans. First of all, she, she's reminding me I was supposed to send you something. I forgot. I'm so sorry, Grace. I will get that to you in the mail. But so she says, my husband, I love the podcast. Thank God, okay. you know, for your servant hearts. Then she says, note, in all caps. So she's wanting me to see this. Chase does not speak too much. Well, now I'm liking this woman. And, and with an exclamation point. She said, he interrupts, dot, dot, okay, dot. that's fair. Because his love of Jesus overflows from his heart to his mouth. I love this woman. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, man, she has the overflowing love of Jesus coming out of you. I can't. It's Jeremiah. What is that verse? (laughs) Jeremiah 20, verse 9. I can't help it. It's a fire in my bones. I have to speak. (laughs) I'm weary of holding it in. And I no longer. 40 years, Jeremiah preached nothing but heartache. Yep. No conversions. And he said, you know. Whenever I say I'm not going to mention him or speak anymore in his name, there's a fire in my bones. I can't help it. I'm weary of holding it. I must admit, I have felt. You felt that way? Many a time. I said, man, this this is. But I said, wait, what do you do? Shut up? No. (laughs) I'm always, even in high school. You can't shut up. When people say, well, how do you deal with peer pressure? Because I didn't experience the, the peer pressure that. Most people did because I made a decision at an early age. I don't care what you do. I'm not doing that. I'm going to follow Jesus. But when I got backed into a corner, that's when I felt the fire. When they started making fun of me. Yep. And, oh, you're you're a goody, goody. You're just scared to be a man and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I'm coming back from the dead. <laughs> Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> I'm going to be flying, saying, what do you think? About me now. <laughs> of course, well, they're looking like it scared them. Because, and that's why I got confident. Yeah. Because I realized no matter how angry the world seems or how rebellious or how much mischief they're doing. In that time frame, you were like fresh out of high school or just. just I was in high school. The first two years, I didn't say a word. I was, I was a coward. But, you know, maybe I, Revelation 21 8 hit me, you know. They always use that for liars, you know, but the first word in it, it says, but the cowardly. Yeah, that's right. And I don't know, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought, I'm not going to be a coward about being forgiven and living forever and trying to get my family to heaven. I'm just not going to be a coward about that. So if if you're going to make fun of me or persecute me about my faith, we're not going to do it quietly. And it really helped me get out of my skin. Yeah. And yeah. and made the last two years productive, and then after that, you went to preaching school with me, and then you know you come all those. Then I got you won, you won a lot of them too. That's what I say. A lot hundreds, of a lot hundreds. of those old buddies that were giving you grief became your brothers. You That's know? what people don't realize. You don't see the big picture. You share Jesus with somebody. Oh, by the way, five years later, I don't forgot about this guy. I don't even remember his name, and he gets a hold of me. It's like. I need to talk about that. Yep. Remember that time you talked to me? I was like, I really don't. I like the story of the one who, who, as soon as you broke out and started preaching Jesus, he just gets up and leaves the room. Well, he's Jace keeps talking to some other ones, mm-hmm. and after his good little, after his rant was over, 
he said, well, you know, any of you guys want to, you give your life to Jesus, now's a good time. So they all said, no, you know. And then so, I hear a voice. Yeah, he hear a voice. <laughs> From I, the I next do. room. Yeah, he said, I do. And, and that's McIntosh. That's old McIntosh. One of our best, look, he sent me a text yesterday. Yeah, he listens to the podcast. So he, I know he you listen. He sent me a picture. He was uh, in a store. We used to play video games. He said he was listening back in the back room, but he didn't want to He didn't want to do it face to face. That's right. Do you know that boy? He uh he had just lost his mom. I didn't know him. Yeah. I, we had gone to another person's house, a new convert. We were sharing Jesus with a guy who had got thrown off a bull and had a steel plate in his head. I mean, I'm not you don't make this stuff up. And he I told him at the end, I said, I think you're safe. And he said, What do you mean? I said, Well, you have safe, lost, and saved. I said, I think you're saved. Safe. Because whatever that bull did because he he just he said your wires have been crossed, <laughs> so do the best you can yeah. and, and and try to love Jesus. But I, I'm not sure you're capable uh, of having a conversation. Jace, I don't know point. how much e- evaluating someone's <laughs> mind. I don't know how deep you need to get. Yeah, into I was that young deep. and dumb. <laughs> I'm not saying I was right. I just made a snap. So you're saying is you're not I, sure where he's basing that. I don't start that. evaluating somebody's mind. I'm like, well, that's a little too deep I would ask him a personal question about his life, and he started talking about, you know, twinkle toes and galaxies far away. Yeah. And I said, what? His head was all swollen up. And he, you know, oh they told me, he said, well, he fell Did off. he finally come back, you know? The, never saw him again. Never saw him never, again. But hope so after it was well, over, there was somebody else there, and I said, what about you? And he's like, I'm out. I've had at least, and, I would say, oh, scores come back after 30 years. So you remember me? And I'm like, I can't can't quite get. I said, you know, I've talked to a lot of people over there. Yeah. Said, well, thirty years ago, I was I was seventeen, and I came down there to get some duck calls, and you told me about Jesus, mm-hmm. and he said, like an idiot. I just said, you know, that that idiot. I mean, you know, he was calling me an idiot. He right. said, you know, some guy hollering about Jesus. He said, so I got an eye. He said, I went up the road in a cloud of dust, thinking, hey, let me get away from that dude. And he said, that was 30 years ago, Mr. Robson. I said, so what are you trying to tell me? He said, oh, I get it now. <laughs> he said, I just want to tell you, I'm back. Yeah. Well, I, said, I remember. Well, we night. had a pretty good little. I've got a lot of them. In the, Same in the, story. In the words of W. Phillips, we had some double dopoption going back in those days because Jace was winning all these friends of his. Dad was constantly winning people. And then I was kind of the next step. I discipled a lot of these guys and mentored a lot of them and was yep. teaching and all that. So, I mean, we had a lot of disciples. You guys, sure Macintosh, to this I day, mean, we just saw him not too long ago. And he was like, you know, you guys changed Y'all were forever. raised. I mean, You'd look. come in the house many times. Y'all remember it. And... And you'd look up, you know, go to sleep at night, and I'd be in there on a little old crew. But the next morning you wake up, and they're scattered around on the living room floor. Oh, yeah, wet clothes in the corner. Yep. Look, yep. the Lord just moved at that time of my life, and he just moved. We we shared Jesus with tons of people, and when they started coming, it, it just got so crazy. Which they're some was of real, our best friends now. It know. was real tough on my marriage because I was a year one. My year one of marriage I literally saw my wife the least amount that I've seen her our entire marriage because I was studying with people every night, all night. Well, she was working to to make a living because I just 
what I mean, I, I just went off the deep end. Forget money. We're going to live on love. <laughs> I'm sharing Jesus. You starve and to death with that kind of so money. We all was starving. Making when she money. was getting up to go to work, I was coming in because I'd been sharing Jesus, I mean, all night because these guys, and it just put us in Well, kudos to her for weathering, this, weathering that. It, it, she's, look, she's awesome. She got I mean, it. And, she and, and she was bringing people to the Lord, too. But we just, after a year of that, I thought, okay, we, we might have <laughs> reassess it because it just, it just kept going on and on, and we realized that we had to make a few adjustments and do it together, which we did better. Yeah. And I just I realized, too, a lot of these new Christians, I was trying to just not only bring them to Jesus, but keep them there. Physically, yes. Yeah, I'm like, roll. where are you at? Like, I'm checking yeah. up on them. The steam, the steamroller steam effect. The only two bars I've ever been to in my life was because I got a report that somebody we had just <laughs> baptized was in one. Go pull yeah. one I out said, there. let's go. Missy went with me to one. My terminology changed through the years. And I finally, when I would get irate people, get all fired up and go to Holland, carry it on, accusing me, and this and that and other, and then leaving. But, but, but I always just say now, just, Look, look, calm down. Just think about it. Yeah. When I started telling people, just think about it, way more of them did think about it and came back later. But if it, well, they I'm left the in a way. huff and I'm still hollering. Well, well I've, I've always thought that was the, the passage, you know, where Jesus talks about if you, you can be trusted. With Jesus a, never got belligerent about it. He didn't. If you can no. be trusted with a little, you can be trusted with a lot. And all I right. think that's what happened. I mean, <clears throat> I think we all decided – Early on, we were all in for Jesus, and we didn't have any money. Jason and I were poor, starving preaching students, but it didn't matter. And then later, you know, God says, "Here, look, I got something really cool that I'm going to spring on you in about thirty well, years." Yeah, you know? and you realize God's working. It, you know, at the time, I was young and immature, made you know, not not like decisions that were evil or anything, but they were just not wise. Right. A lot. I mean, there's a growth spark that happens, and you can't literally put somebody on your back. And get them to heaven. Right. They don't want to go because of what Jesus did. Right. There's just not, not much you can do. But I was going to mention McIntosh. What he taught me, I mean, of all the people that I've been involved in in bringing somebody to the Lord, I learned more about that situation than any other because he's the only person that I know of. He didn't, you know, see a flyer or go to church or he didn't know somebody. There was no relationship. He just happened to show up at a, a party house that the guy who owned the house we had just brought to the Lord a week ago. Right. Well, that things had changed, and he <laughs> didn't get the memo. And he overheard from the next room about Jesus, and he said, I'm in. And the people we were sharing Jesus with didn't. And that that man never Missed a beat, yep. did he? No, I mean, he became one of our best friends. He lived. He, with, just he would live with Lisa and I for a year to overhear who Jesus is, and he put his faith and trust in Jesus, and has followed him ever since. And it just it made me realize, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about a program. It's about declaring Jesus. And when people hear that, you see something like that. You realize all the power and all the credit goes into who Jesus is. You just got to get it out there, which goes back to how we started this. So I just can't help it. Because when I saw that, I thought, I got to get it out there. Because here's a guy who had no other reason 
for changing his life. It wasn't because his friends were doing it. It wasn't because of the program. He wasn't raised in church. And his heart had been softened a little bit because he had just lost his mom. I didn't even know that till weeks later. Yep. And uh, he just was thinking about life, and he heard Jesus. He said, you know what? I'm going to do that. I saw that many times, and I came up with a phrase that kind of brings it together. Remember, Al, we were talking about directional dialogue. Yep. You're talking to these people, but you would get done with these people, and they would say, well, you know, not much response out of them, but I, one day brought it to my attention. I'm talking to these people because I thought everybody else good to go, and but one one of these over here that was just listening said, "Wow!" <laughs> after after I got done there and I'm, I turn around there, I said, "Wow!" I said, "That's a pretty good line." I said, "What do you think?" She said, "I didn't get that till right now." I said. <laughs> We'll talk later. So within a week, her and her husband came down uh-huh. and baptized them both. One great thing about it, we talked about the perfection of Jesus and, and being the king, mistake-free, John 8. God was pleased. This is Colossians 1, 19, and I'll give you a text out of Hebrews. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood, and that means peace with God instead of war, because that war you lose, shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you. That's twice that word's come up, reconciled, become, become part of him. He's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, that brutal death he died on the cross for all of us, to present you, let's see, holy in his sight. When he sees us, he sees 100% flawless perfection like his son because we are in him and he is in us. Holy in his sight without blemish. Think about that. All the sins and once your faith is put in Jesus, and you die to sin and are buried and raised in the waters of baptism, free from accusation. If you can free from accusation, just think about that. You say, well, that's why none of the, his accusers got anywhere. He's given that to us. There's an if here. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, which is the death of Jesus, his burial and resurrection. Take that. Hang on, let's take a break, Dad, before you read that next one. All right. So, Jace, uh, if I say the word Bloomsy Box, what what comes to your mind? What do you think that is? Bloomsy Box. I think of is these guys in the 70s going around. With the Boomsy box, right oh, by the boom box. ear, yeah, boom yeah. Box. But Bloomsy box, a box that blooms. Well, that's not bad. You're you're in the na- you're in the neighborhood. So okay. Bloomsy box is a, is a brand new sponsor. Uh, I spent some time on the phone with them last week, and basically they send flowers to people. Okay. Bloomsy box, the blooms, the flowers. What what's interesting about these guys is different from everybody else. Is most people use these giant 
warehouse. They take they picked all these flowers, and it's just kind of a big general thing. But they don't they don't last long because you know you're trying to get them to people. These guys, what they do is they find these little small farms that grow these flowers, beautiful. I mean, their stuff is amazing. If you go to their website, you'll see it, and then they ship it straight to you. So now I may start a revolution. Yeah, you'll see people going down the street, and they'll they'll say, "What are you carrying?" And they're like, it's a Bloomsy box. There you go. So we got flowers. Uh, so they've got a, a Bloomin' Cyber Monday sale that right now you can save 25% on all their Bloomsy box flowers. Pan picked, beautiful. They come straight to you, especially this time of year, you know, holidays. Also, people not be able to get home. It's a great thing to send to your mom or your wife. The sale ends soon, but you can get 25% off now if you hurry to Bloomsy box, B L O O M S Y box.com, enter Phil. Uh, and you're going to save 25%. Bloomsybox.com. And add to that, since that time, he's talking about from the law of Moses and the way it operated, and here comes Jesus, and did what blood of animals and all that can never do. He waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because, and this is one of the greatest texts in the Bible for me, Hebrews Hebrews 10:14 because by one sacrifice the perfect one dies on a cross he has made are y'all ready for this audience perfect perfect that means mistake free like Jesus you're like you're viewed as 100% flawlessly perfect He's made them perfect forever. You say, man, those who are being made holy. So you you try your best to be mistake-free. When you make mistakes, the blood is there cleansing you, and God justifies you by viewing you as if you never made a mistake, and you're viewed by God as perfect through Jesus. That is one of the, that that's the great, the great story of the Bible right there. That's right. So the next time somebody says, so you think you're perfect? You can say, nope, I know I am. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. In Jesus. In Jesus. Yep. <clears throat> Which is a great point, Dad, because that's— Hard to get perfection, and we get to be viewed as perfect because of our faith in Jesus in... and our striving for being a better and a holier person each day as we go forth. And not only that, then he lets you be involved in the process of yeah. bringing people— into that yeah. position. Right. I mean, where else would you come up with this idea? I'm going to save you, and then I'm going to allow you to be a part of the eternal destiny change yeah. that occurs in individuals. Yeah. So um, you told a story last week, Jace, about um, about the when you got pulled over by the state trooper and kind of how you worked your way out of that. It, it prompted a story in my mind, and I thought about it when you were just mentioning about some of your friend, our friends. And you remember Michael and Darla were a couple of the early ones, you know? And uh, so, you know, they get married. They're Christians now. They become really good friends of ours. And so she she finds out she's pregnant with triplets, you know? And so it's like it's a big deal because, you know, you you get more than a couple of babies in your womb. Things get a little bit dicey, and and Darla's a little bitty bitty late girl anyway. And so she wound up having to be in the hospital for like months. I mean, they basically they were like, "You got to just lay here till you have these kids." Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm working for the church at this time. I just, you know, I'm early in my church work, and so she's stuck up there. But they said, "Well, she's got a like a I guess back in then it would have been a VCR, and um, 
you know, and so somebody brought a bunch of videos and I was going to see her anyway to pray for her and just to visit a little bit because you know, that's what that's what pastors and preachers do. So I load up this sack of videos <clears throat> and I'm on a mission of mercy, heading to the hospital, heading to St. Francis. I get off the interstate. I'm driving. Mom has made some one of mom deals with Melissa over this little white Ford car. And for some reason, I'm in it because I was just like you. I'm not in somebody else's car. Mm-hmm. I get off there on the deal. Now you can do it. You couldn't back then. You couldn't go. And I'm literally right in front of the police station. And I didn't notice you can't take a left turn there. You're supposed to go all the way around. Well, I took a left turn. Well, there's a Monroe cop sitting over there because it's the police station where I did it. And he pulls me over. You're not supposed to take a left turn there. Sorry, I didn't notice that. Then he asked me for the stuff. It sounds like a segment of dumb criminal (laughs) stunts. Oh, it gets worse. So... Then it's like, well, your inspection sticker's out, same deal. And Uh-oh. the license plate deal's out. And I was like, oh, my word, Mom. You yeah. know, like, because I didn't even notice. I'm just borrowing the car for a day on a mission of mercy. Mm-hmm. So then it's the insurance. Well, I look in there. There's a couple of insurance cars, but they're a year old. So I was like, well, let me call and see if I can find This is pre-cell phone. I was like, I don't know, you know what to do. And so, so finally, there's no insurance. Which in Louisiana, if you don't have insurance on a vehicle and you're driving it, they can impound it mm-hmm. right then. Well, guess what? They impounded the car. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm standing there on the side of the road. I got a bag of videos. And I, the hospital's just right there. <laughs> and I sit down on the curb under a crepe myrtle tree. And I'm looking over there at the police station. They come and haul mom's car off to the, to the yeah. you know, towed it away. And I'm on foot. I got no phone. <laughs> And I was like, I just remember sitting there thinking, boy, this day just really turned sour. <laughs> like I was doing something good, uh, and, and now they literally took my wheels away. You're hitchhiking. I'm hitchhiking. With, with videos. And so I, I, but I have to admit, I was sitting there looking at that police station, and I thought, I felt like Jonah did when he was looking at Nineveh. I said, Father, if you could just bring a fire down out of heaven and torch that whole place. I mean, it was righteous anger because I felt like I was doing a mission of mercy. So I walked on down to the hospital, sweating. By the time I got there, I went in there, darling, she said, what, what, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I just had to walk over from the police station because they took my car. So then I called Lisa and said, come get me. I'm, I'm on foot. Yeah. And I tell mom, I said, mom, did you know all this stuff? Was Well, I didn't know, you know, Melissa, you know, mom's just... In, so it cost mom about a thousand bucks to get the car or whatever it was out because it was her car, it wasn't my car. She had to pay all the fines and all this stuff. And it was just like, well, less that was back when we had to scrimp. <laughs> yeah, wow, you got a better deal. When I had the wreck in the, the uh, family truck the, that the insurance had expired by eight days. Ooh. And since it was my fault, we decided to split the $12,500 that it costs when you have a wreck and it's your fault and you don't have insurance or face penalty of jail. <laughs> Trust me, I was never late on that payment. <laughs> it took five years to pay it off. <laughs> so after I'm hearing these stories. Jace, you know. you've come a long way, son. Yeah, now you- Let's buy some insurance. 
Well, and I'm a stickler. Yeah, I gave you some encouraging words. They said, Jace had a wreck. You tore up the truck. It's totaled. So I drive up there. I said, you idiot. What are you? You know, I mean. Jace is literally bleeding, and he's like, I mean, why would you turn right in There's front of There's an ambulance there. They're like, we think he's going to live. Feels why like, would a man just turn right in front of an ongoing Why vehicle? would you do that? <laughs> I mean, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> And it did. It T-boned. So that, coming, coming over here a while ago, I jumped in my truck. And, you know, it, I mean, you know, GMC, it's been a good one. In fact, I've been saying that that truck has fewer failures of any vehicle I've ever drawn. <laughs> so a while ago, I reached down and I pulled the handle out of there. Crank, and, it, <laughs> and look, the door handle, the inside door, I just went like a clank. And I looked and I said, boy, that's a clean break. In other words, <laughs> metal, it. metal it, about wide as my thumb, and it just broke off. I've got the, so now i got to reach out, you know. <laughs> So, but I don't even think I'm gonna fix it. It's all right. I, I told Dad, "Is you gonna be like the Dukes of Hazard? Maybe they'd always have to dive well, into the for two most years, of the time. You know, a truck door, they're pretty well good to go, no matter how long you have the truck. But I just, I just had it in my hand. I've never well, broken one an hour ago. For two years of my life, I drove a vehicle that neither door would open. <laughs> yep. And I was dating my wife at the time. Been there and done that. <laughs> and so, well, I was hauling firewood for a living. And so I, on a muddy day, when you're hauling wood out of the out of the woods, you just we'd start sliding because our trucks weighed so much, and I literally was bouncing off trees getting out of there. <laughs> well, it seemed kind of fun once I hit the first couple because I thought, well, there went the truck. <laughs> so then, <laughs> so then I just sped up and was bouncing off trees. Well, then I went to open my door; it wasn't uh -oh. open. Well, I go to open up the passenger side. It won't open either. Yeah, you hit enough trees on both sides. That's what happened. <laughs> That's what happened. So my first date, which was awesome because it put my wife to the test. She reached in, as she was reaching. I said, hey, that, that door, let me get that for you. And so I started pushing down the window because it wouldn't roll up or down. That's either. why her dad told her, you don't want to marry into that. <laughs> That's place. why he kept sticking his head out the window. Let's take another break. So one of the interesting things I get to do uh, when we talk to our sponsors is I get on the phone call with them. Jace is called a boarding call because they're trying to boarding board call. their ads on our podcast. Okay. And so I usually go and talk to them 15 or 20 minutes, find out about the product, see if it's something that works for us. Because not mm -hmm. everything we're approached with fits our audience and fits us. But one of the really interesting conversations I had was with Dr. McQuillan, who did all the research uh, for Omega XL, which, of course, Dad and I have been taking – uh, for inflammation. And basically they had 35 years of research. It was just, it fascinated me because it was all done with these muscles that they grow, uh, in New Zealand and they extract it, you know? And so I've taken fish oil before and everything's like that to try to help, but nothing's really worked like this has worked. And so, uh, she helped me a lot to understand inflammation and, and how it attacks our body. Uh, so it's really interesting. Uh, you know, you guys know, I love this product. So does dad. And so we want you to check it out. If you got some, everybody's got some aches and pains, right? Especially at our age. Uh, you go to OmegaXL.com. You're going to buy one bottle, get a second one free, which is great. You're going to love it. Uh, OmegaXL.com slash fill. Or you can give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. She, she said, I thought you were going to open the door for me. I said, my doors don't open. <laughs> she said, well, what are we going to do? Dive in. I thought. 
what kind of question is that? <laughs> I said, well, if you want to ride with me, you're going to have to go through that window. I said, now I'll turn around so this won't get awkward because it's kind of awkward, you know, jumping yeah. in a window, I guess, on the first date. <laughs> and so I turned around. And she said, I'm in. <laughs> I said, in a way we I did, go. I did these. I guess it must be the, our redneck genetics because we were down here one time. Rick Fortenberry was hunting with us, and we were at the boathouse. And I was in my truck. My old, I called it Lazarus because it came back from the dead so many times. A, a house fell on it. A tree fell on it. Well, I was so it was like yours. It was like I wasn't really worried about the truck, and I was trying to turn around a tight spot, but the water was up. You know, right there, it's just a little narrow strip of land. <clears throat> so Rick's over there in passenger seat, and I get hung up on a little old small tree. It's only about that big, but it was kind of wedged on my door, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get off of it. So I, I hit it and drive. I stomp it, and I'm trying to. And it's, it's just I'm twisting that door. It's just starting to crinkle, and I'm like a madman now. I'm like, oh, we're getting off of this tree. I'd bag it up, then I'd go for it. And look, that thing is just cranking. I'm looking, and Rick is getting closer and closer to me in the truck because it's literally coming in on him. I'm just destroying my truck. But he said, oh, you look like a madman. <laughs> I mean, you were laughing and cackling because once it, once you were torn up, I was like you. I was like, well, I'm getting off I that mean, tree. Here's what's weird. I, I paid $1,500 for that truck, drove it five years, destroyed it, and neither door would open. And then I sold it for a thousand. I thought that was a pretty good deal. It cost me a hundred dollars a year. Very good deal. And I dated my wife in it, and then we had the bonding experience over that. Yeah. And what the sad thing was when we went on that date, then I had to go pick up. Back then we had the crawfish farm. I was hauling firewood, and we were running crawfish trap. So I went to the fish market and had to get three trash cans full of fish heads, buffalo heads, because we determined that a buffalo head was the best bait yep and i thought i have to go get it i'm going on a date because i just figured this girl wasn't gonna give me the time of day anyway she's a yuppie girl look way too good but she said yes so i just thought i'm gonna be completely honest at every turn i gave her the speech about jesus she couldn't get in the doors and <laughs> now because when i went to get the trash can too heavy i couldn't lift it i thought well I said, hey, Missy. <laughs> Darling, love of my life. I said, whatever you do, don't pop the top on this can. Because I didn't know if how long they'd been sitting out there, and it was hot. So we got up there, got the first one in, got the second one in. But when we got the third one, because it was just raw weight, the top top come off. Ooh. And it wasn't she pretty, was it? immediately began to gag, and I thought, <laughs> <laughs> this is "Welcome a, to our world." This ain't going. This work. date is this <laughs> date is not going well. And I explained about the crawfish. She gagged. Most dudes would not have their their woman, you know, loading up fish heads in the back of a pickup. I, well, I didn't. Back, I didn't know that story, Jace. But you know, no. Lisa told the story the other day. I'd forgotten it. Our first date involved when she and we were both super young. Uh, she was only 15, I was 16, involved going, taking fish to Bale's Fish Market. And so we went up to take the fish up there. But Back in those days, whoever had wheels that were running at the time. That's right. That's who took the fish. So so there were a couple of tubs of fish in the back of the truck. And uh, once she was telling the story, I remembered it. So we go into Bale's. Well, sometimes, you know, it's it's like anything else. Fish are like supply and demand. Sometimes you had too much supply. Yep. And so every once in a while, they would try to make sure we 
they bought our fish because dad was a good supplier, but sometimes they were just, the market was glutted. Yep. And so like they didn't buy our fish that day. So of course there's no phones, you know? And so this shows you how you just figure stuff out. So I told Lisa, I was like, well, we got to do something with these fish, you know? Yeah. I mean, what are we going to do with it? So I said, you know what, let's do, I'm going to go over to college point. And I knew there was a, there was a pink bar it was right in the middle of College Point. I don't know if you remember seeing it before. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and at night, of course, it's a happening place. During the day, there's a few people hanging around. I said, we'll just go direct sales. We'll see if we can sell these fish. And, of course, she's looking. I mean, we're young. It's 16 and 15. I thought, you know, I got to come home with money. I mean, what you know, I'm, yeah. what are we going to do? So I pull up in front of that pink bar, and there's a couple of guys standing over there, you know. And, and so this old guy comes over. He's got a wife beater shirt on. He's. He looks over in the back and he said, well, you got going on? He was talking, but I couldn't understand a word he was saying. And I said, I'm here to sell some fish. You want, you want a fish? And then he said, how much you want for that fish right there? He pointed at a buffalo or something. I was like, that's that's the $4 fish. They were yeah. negotiating <laughs> now. So we finally got to a price he could live with. And then he said, I'd be back. So he goes and leaves. And I see a big black lady come out of the house and she's reaching in her bra and comes up with, you know, some money. So he comes over and buys a couple of fish. And what happened in the next 15 minutes was capitalism at its best. As soon as he the started walking, broke. the day he, as soon as people started, they just started streaming over to that truck. And I sold every fish in that truck. I remember you telling me he that. He came home with a little wad of cash, you know, for mom, which was the deal. You know, well, see, we Missy working. later told me. That was our first day. She's well, like. Y'all had to admit, uh, from start to now, we've come a long way. Out. <laughs> well, Missy <laughs> you know said, what I'm saying? she told me a few weeks later, this, this, the Jesus speech is why I stayed. The rest of it, I figured, was going to be a work in progress. <laughs> she said, but it was fascinating to see a human being doing what you were doing. It was interesting. Right. She said, I'd only heard about such stories. I didn't know that it was really happening in America. You know, getting fish heads, <laughs> no doors that are open, you know, because it's Dukes of Hazard. Right. This is the, these people are really... Living like this, and seemingly on purpose. Yeah. So you, so, you and Curly, y'all had to go to the hospital a time or two from blood poisoning, and because just dealing with all this rotten stuff, you know, you get a, yeah. you get a little nick on your hand or something. It's I mean, like anything else we did the first twenty years of my life. It was fun for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, and then all of a sudden it then, wasn't so much. You fun. know what? This is I'm dying here. <laughs> We get a uh, when you're 100 percent dependent on how many fish you catch today, it'll give you a little different perspective. So I, I my yeah. take let's let's take a break. My take on that, Dad, I compare it to you. Remember when the Israelites came out when God brought them out of Egypt, and you know they needed to eat, you know, because they're you know so he so he just sends a manna, you know, basically every night it's just raining down bread, yep. heavenly bread. And they go out and they pick it up. But he told him, he said, you can only pick up one basket full, not two, yeah, just one that'll get you through the day. Don't want you hoarding the ground. Don't grab. hoard it. And if you got two, then they would both turn to maggots was yeah. the deal. So it was interesting why he did that. I think he did that because he obviously wanted them to depend on him because they wanted to go back to Egypt. Oh, well, there we had leeks and onions, and now we're out here eating this bread. And I thought about that with us. I think the Almighty knew 
about the show, obviously, and because he's outside of time and space. So he wanted to make sure that we learned humility yep. for a long time yep. so that we could be trusted with a big platform. So yep. I mean, I've always believed that was why it was the way it you was. You may be right, Al. Because we worked hard, but we just didn't have a lot of results, really. I mean, that was my speech first 10 years of marriage was, I'm going to trust God and work hard. It'll work out. Yep. Which, you know, we, we did the same thing. Other married couples do. little bickering here and there, yep. you know, where, where's the money, no money. Because it usually happened when I would go to the grocery store, which she would, that's why even to this day, she's going to the grocery store. Because I don't, I would never, you know, cut any expense when I bought groceries. Because I'm like, we're we're gonna we're, we're gonna, gonna eat, eat good, we're gonna eat good, even if whether we have money or not. If I get up there and have to take stuff out of the buggy, which I did many times, you know, I just started cutting my losses here. But then you got to start. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like being at the drive-through line. You yeah. got to you got to get up to a certain point. Whoop! Stop right there. That's that's I my. Mean, that's look, my... I told y'all the story. What you're trying to say, Jason, <laughs> in a nice way, is uh, when you probe the deep recesses of the redneck mind, it can be perplexing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I think if you make Jesus-centered relationships, I just think good things happen. Because no matter what happens, you go back to that. I mean, we're reading this about being free from accusation and being part of the process. And, I mean, my wife, she loves Jesus. And I've said many times she was looking for somebody else who loved Jesus and, and just we just made the rest of it work, even though it just didn't seem humanly possible. I mean, we would be a marriage counselor's nightmare. When we took our little premarital counseling, we took a test to see how compatible we were. And I didn't I, say I, this. How'd that end up? <laughs> it basically I'm reading between the lines that said walk the other way. And don't turn don't look back. Run. <laughs> Run. Run, Forrest. That you have absolutely nothing in common <laughs> this is water and oil or it just that's yeah. what it said but you know carl one of our good friends and kind of mentors he was our he, he was our uh marriage or premarital counselor. counselor and he's like not everything it makes sense <laughs> But if you stick with Jesus, I, I believe it'll be okay. Because he was trying to put a good spin. Yeah. We were wanting to know. We got caught up in the process. Oh, how compatible were it? And he didn't want to talk about it. He said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have to see that. Carl's there, just being nice. Carl's There's some differences. Line, his famous line used to be, always remember, guys, no matter what had happened, people, yeah. so many marriages breaking up. He said, the best days are yet, yet to, to come. come. Yeah, yep. I say it all the time. He yeah. said, you know, y'all have a lot of lot of challenges and a lot of opportunity <laughs> for growth. I was trying, what does that mean? <laughs> I, so basically, we have nothing in common. Well, that's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> but you love Jesus. <laughs> and and so, he was right. Yeah. I mean, 30 I'm years like, later, right? You know, we're going to try to make this work. And it's worked. Well, it people work. ask us all the time, why did your wives... What did they see about you? Or, you know, because obviously our wives are beautiful women. The show, they were even more glamorous than, you know, because of the show. But, and they just didn't, couldn't see it. I mean, well, that's why they people look at who the saw show. the show thought it was fake. Right. They're like, what's this chick doing with that guy? <laughs> well, they made this up. 
you know, they're laughing, saying, "There's no way." <laughs> yeah. That because they don't even have any money. Yeah. So when they asked so, that, when they asked me, I put it back. I put the Jesus thing. I asked them back. I said, "Well, why do you think that they chose us, that they went with us?" And they were like, "Well, money." I mean, that's what they always say. And I was like, "Nope, trust me. There was no money when, right. when it started for all of us." And I just leave it hanging. You know, I never say anything else. But what we described today was was exactly why. I mean, they saw obviously something up. We're you know picking up fish heads and selling. Hey, it fish. was embarrassing. About you know, I didn't finish that date, but when we got to what we were going to do, I said, "How much money you got?" <laughs> She's like, "I got about ten bucks." I said, "Let's do whatever ten bucks will take us." <laughs> I said, "No, I'm going to turn these fish heads into a lot of money." But at the moment, I'm in between the payoff. Well, I thought Lisa was rich because they had a brick house. I was like, I mean, brick house. With y'all's mother, you know, y'all talking about the wheels. In my case, they had gotten an old Bel Air Chevrolet and gave it to Miss K by the time she learned how to drive, about 16. So I didn't have any wheels. So I you was, hitchhiked it, didn't I you? was hitchhiking to her house to date. Well... <laughs> Come to find out, she's got the Bel Air Chevrolet. So our dating process, she'd come pick me up, right? And she'd she'd come. She'd usually have cokes, and sometimes she'd have a, a, a T-bone steak because they own the grocery. Yeah, the grocery. So she'd bring some Coca Colas <laughs> and steak, and I thought. I've hit the jackpot. <laughs> I have hit the jackpot. I mean, She's when your girl comes and picks you up with the T-bone co- steak, now I know how I got steak here. And Coca-Cola, Cy si was always hanging around, lurking around when he knew she was coming. Yeah, and he said, "You know, you ought to keep that girl." I tell you, he said that girl you got think. Yeah. A lot of times we took him on the date, Cy si in the back seat, and we riding along there. You know, me, Miss Kay. And Uncle Si, oh, yeah. we, he just went with us. They kind for of, entertainment purposes. Just, they kind of chronicle that on the show. So I was the third wheel, you know, during the dating process. Because yep. you always had to take your little brother. Yep. Let's take one last break. The name of their store was called Caraway's Grocery. Do you Miss K, to this day, still forks out $300 every two or three years to paint that sign, Caraway's Grocery, because yeah. the store's been there like 100 years. It's 100 years it's, almost. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's been, you know, going out of is business. It still, oh, is there still No, it's not open. It's just uh, it's just like well, Who a, owns it? Uh, some of the Caraways. Well, or I something. need a metal detect that thing. Is there any grass around it? Oh, well, that could, old town. No yeah. telling what you run that up on right there. That whole town right there. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, that whole area. They're looking they move for spots, and 20. I own a store that's <laughs> yeah. 100 years old. It's Highway 71, which used to be the main drag all the way to Arkansas. Yeah. Then they built the interstate where everybody got on the interstate, and nobody, nobody goes through that. Ida, Louisiana anymore. Yeah. So the old store, everything, there's not one business left in that town. It's off the interstate. They just drive by it over right. about seven. If anybody's miles. listening, don't go there because that's <laughs> that's ours. We and never I'll, tell where it was, and I'm going to go. But you know, it's funny. So on the on the sign that mom has has keeps up that's on the side just for the you know for us because they're trying to get mom to buy it to might make a museum out of it or something or Willie, and but on the side of it it says established 1926 or 1928. We're not sure. <laughs> That's what's on the side of the building. I just thought I thought it was pretty funny that whoever put that out was like, you know, we don't know. So Why didn't just... they just put nineteen twenty seven? Well, that's ish. That's when right. we were dating, we'd go by there and get a little rack of Wilson weenies. 
Yep. The red yeah. snappy talked about weenies. those before. Yep. They, and weenies. they've never yep. made a comeback. No. Somebody, the last time we talked about this, said there was somewhere Where they that had, had them. them. And then we talked about the colonial honey buns, and they found them. Yep. Somebody else bought them, and we're good to go. Sarah Lee Sarah yep. Lee bought colonial. So, But I, I've been trying to find their, I can't find their, Sarah Lee's Somebody honey sent me a box of them. Oh, really? And I ate them. And they, they were awesome. They were like they, colonial? I can't buy, no, they were colonial. Oh. Yeah, but they, so I appreciate it. It's the greatest it. honey bun of all time. <laughs> I remember we used to eat them. The Missy Wilson said, weenies were the best weenies of all time, but they now they're too red. They just, I mean, they're still trying to, Wilson weenies, that's what we call them. So it was a company in Street. So you would pick them up at the store, some Wilson weenies? They had them by the big boxes, and I'd go in there, you know, but, but Wilson weenies, that was something, you know, you, you it was like <laughs> eating fine steak to us <laughs> and a little block of that, that hooped cheese yeah with so the red rind cheese, on it. red rind on it what about the bologna yes yeah, bologna, bologna was good too but but the wilsonwinis was the best yeah bologna was when i remember my childhood that was the thing i mean like we were it fine dining when we got and then some... when i got to be about 30 somebody actually told me what was in it and i was <laughs> like oh boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much the leftover of everything put in a big meat yeah, tube. Is but it what was that good. Is. They they changed the packaging on it, and that says what's not in it. Yeah, that was a joke. I know. Got it. <laughs> so, Dad, you remember when we were growing up in Junction City? You used to go up to uh, what was the name of that butcher shop that was in El Dorado? I remember there was always a big treat. Uh, was it Brummett's? Uh, I think it was Brummett's. Brummett's yeah. ba- uh, yeah. butcher, and like every once in a while. You know, Dad would be like, all right, we're going to feast tonight, you know, so we'd get some steak. or, But it was just so rare, you know, to have yep. anything like that. It's so funny now because I don't even think about it. You know, if we're going to eat steak, I mean, we're going to go pick up a whole tenderloin yep. or whatever. Yep. And back in the day, man, you just didn't, you just couldn't do it. I no. mean, just we didn't have enough money to pull it off. Yeah. Miss Kay's famous line, y'all's mother, she said, Phil, always remember I've been poor with you, and I've been rich with you. She said, rich is better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's classic. Why is that Mom. funny? I don't know. We need to get Mom back on the podcast. Where where were we going with this? I, I, I don't, don't know. even know. This this wound up the... the, the Tales ra- of we, the past. We talked about free from accusation. Well, that's where we started. And the next thing I know... you and I went down memory lane. Yeah, we did. I do want to remind... Well, that, it's duck season, and duck season aisle is... is, is it, the, one of the greatest jump starts the first three or four days that we've had in years. Oh, everybody's so, happy, happy, happy. Oh, here. yeah. Which goes to show you, you know, you, we, we always provide the food supply, the water regime, the duck blinds are already. But for, for you liable to go through several years where it's not much at all. Right. But with us, we just keep going. Keep going and keep going. Right. Well, this year it all started out, and we're seeing that this morning. I, I I picked up a big old Mallard Drake, and I felt his crawl, and I said, "Hmm." I said, "That's that feels like rice," and I cut a little slit, and I looked and see what he what he said what what he been, been eating, eating. Yeah. and it was rice. So they're coming down those rice fields mm-hmm. to the east of us, coming across Come over there. Which is my point. We plant all this food, but a lot of times when we're really getting them, they eat somewhere else. Yep. And they come here to rest, right? Yeah, yeah, because yep. a duck is either eating or resting or roosting, which is the difference. So that's why they fly in the morning because they're looking for something to eat. Yep. And then we didn't really get 
much till about mid morning. Yep. So they had gone and eaten, and then they're looking for somewhere a lot of to rest. Then the they get up and they go roost, which yep. they just go to a different resting spot to sleep. Which they, they want a <laughs> the little. The Canadians, water. it might have been a stroke of genius. They stopped all uh, early season duck hunters from America going to Canada because they would go up there, and a lot of these young ducks. They'd never been shot at. They'd yeah. never been had a duck call call. Go in there and whack them. And so, that with the Americans have been going up there for years. But this year, Canada said no more of that. Really? Because they were kind of taking advantage of their youth. The yeah. ducks were young, and young and dumb. So they would just boom, ba, 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 boom, boom. So the Canadians broke that up and. I thought, well, you know, that may turn out to be a good thing. Well, so far, hmm. that that seems like a very if they're not shot at in Canada where they raise, yeah. if they're not shot at till they come across that border. It's better yeah. for us. I think. Yeah, we're way I, down the food chain. I now. think yep. there's a piece that's you know developed in what you do. We used to duck hunt because you kind of had to. It was, it was how we made a living selling right. duck calls. So now, based on everything that's happened, it's more enjoyable. But, you know, we talked about being free from accusation, which is what the world does is bring up your past. And you're like, no, he 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 forgave that, and here's why. And then that then goes to phase two, which is now God uses us to to share Jesus, which is how I got married. I mean, we went down memory road. But when you get to Colossians 3, and I think this is a, a, a good way to sum up what you get in Christ in verse 15, he said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So no matter what happens, we're at peace you bet because you. the big stuff has been taken care of by Jesus, who we are examining in detail. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful before and after. You know, Before you were felt like you were blessed and after, especially with the physical stuff, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And this is the verse I wanted to get to. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, then he talks about wives and husbands and children and you know social classes and then he gets down and says the same thing in verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord because it's the Lord Christ you are serving. So here we are, Al. Here you go. <clears throat> Next time uh, we get back into the text on the podcast, we'll be at the crucifixion. And um, it's, a, it's a brutal, tough read, but it had to be done. I mean, it had to be done the way it was done. Remember the verse that says when the time that was set, you know, was that when, so he knew exactly when he was going to come and exactly why. It was brutal, but then when you realize why, exactly, you go, oh, I get it. Which you, like you said, which is why the passion was such a, such a powerful visual to Gibson totally. We've helped. lost the concept of God loves you. Yeah. We've, we've lost that in America. That's exactly right. And if you understood what he did and how it oh. happened, 
you you would totally know that. You would uh, think throngs would be running toward him, but no. So just uh, as a thank you to Unashamed Nation, appreciate you guys always checking us out. The audience is growing, which is awesome. I watched the uh, Phyllis and Tony episode yesterday that just released. A lot of you are buying those prints. I appreciate that. He appreciates that. Um, man, you're a great audience, so we love doing this with you. So uh, keep telling folks about Unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.